Wilfred Wong's part one just went over 150,000 views. Loads of people have asked us to have Wilfred back on, and he's kindly obliged and come here today. And we will be adding a lot more to the subject of SRA than is in part one. If you haven't seen part one, it is in the description box below this video. And huge thank you to Wilfred for coming back. If a Satanist was having sex with a corpse in an individual capacity, and this is hypothetical now, is there a sequence of events that they would perform as part of the satanic worship around having sex with a corpse? It would probably be similar to them having sex, for example, with a child. That they would do it as an offering to Satan. Uh, so sometimes they might do it on an altar to symbolize that they're offering it up to the devil. And um, for example, I know of one Satanist coven that likes to use small tables as altars. And I found that small tables at a certain SRA location. And you'd be surprised to find all these tables out there in this rather isolated area, um, which they use to put children on, to abuse and to torture and to offer up as a makeshift altar to, to the devil while they do it. Uh, they think or they believe that all this is pleasing to their master, Satan. They offer it up to him, but they also believe that they will get power and energy from the cops or from their victim, if it's a live victim, and um, feed off that. They feed off the despair as well, the despair and the anger and hopelessness of their victims. It's all about power. It's all about getting as much power for themselves as they can. And they also believe that the devil will reward them for doing such offerings to him. In terms of having sex with decomposing corpses then, I mean, that's naturally revolting to a normal human being. But is the fact that it is so revolting, you know, decomposing corpse, the... the, the, the um, stench and the flesh rotting and all that to them is it the opposite the fact that it is so foul empowers them more yes they they are actually quite conditioned to embrace things that are foul um, one example would be cannibalism, that they may eat a victim after they have sacrificed the victim raw. How can a person, I mean, even if we were eating, say, beef or chicken, putting it into your mouth raw, that takes quite a lot of getting used to. But they do this not just as a one-off, they do this quite often. They're also conditioned to eat, and this is even harder to imagine, human feces and drink urine, human urine. Uh, 
um, obviously there has to be some huge uh, revulsion, if not mentally by their body, against eating human crap and drinking urine. But they do this quite often, and they also force their victims to do it. Uh, so whatever revulsion the average person feels about such things, the Satanists are very committed to overcoming it and getting used to it because everything they, they value tends to be a reversal, a, a complete reversal of what we ordinarily regard as good and decent. Their job, they see it, is to invert it all. So what we think is good, they will see as evil. What we think is disgusting, they will see as pleasant. What we think is evil, um, they will not only see as good, but something that should be promoted to young people so that they grow up thinking that what is evil is good. So there is a very um, upside-down, perverted and inverted value system that they have. Don't be fooled by their propaganda because now they're trying to go mainstream. They're trying to make themselves more attractive to the public. And I can guarantee you more Satanism, more people becoming Satanists in the West, for example, would inevitably, inevitably mean more SRA because they go hand in hand. Quite a few people have commented on your videos, what is SRA? So could you give people a, a brief overview? Satanist ritual abuse is basically a very brutal form of mistreatment against children and vulnerable adults consisting of sexual, psychological, and physical abuse. And it is normally done repeatedly over a long period of time, not simply as a one-off. And so if you want to reduce it further, it, you could say, as I often do, that it is the sexual abuse and torture of children. But, and this is very key to remember, in the context of Satanist rituals, as part of Satanist rituals, so that's where things like what we spoke about earlier comes in, uh, offering up this abuse to the devil as a form of worship, doing it on a Satanist altar. Um, they also do human sacrifice. And I would consider that as part of the, 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 the package, so to speak, of SRA. Um, and they force their victims to engage in cannibalism, to eat, feces, drink urine, uh, drink blood. So we are talking about something that is not just so-called ordinary child sex abuse with a little bit of Satanism on, on top, which some people try and dismiss as just exhibitionism, uh, putting on a show. We're talking about something very brutal, I would say crimes against humanity, atrocities, and very different from what people do understand as ordinary child sex abuse.
even though it's not ordinary, of course, but I just use that to differentiate it from SRA. The SRA is in a, in a whole new category of its own and a whole new depth of evil and depravity that it's difficult for people to understand, but just because it's difficult for them to understand the depth of evil involved doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Because as I said in our first interview, even the Metropolitan Police Service, who are not great at solving SRA cases, don't forget they were the ones involved with the Hampstead SRA case, um, have admitted on their website that satanic abuse exists. How prevalent is it in the UK? It is very prevalent and it's growing. In 1992, uh, Dispatch's documentary was done on SRA. And in fact, in fact, a friend of mine was the producer of the documentary. And she wrote uh, a chapter for a book on treating survivors of Satanist abuse. And in that chapter, they talked about the figures of people calling the helpline. Channel 4 set up 15 telephone helplines for SRA survivors who were affected by the documentary to call in. And only about 161 calls got through. But Brit British telecoms confirmed that in the first hour of the helpline number being broadcasted, 4,500 callers were trying to get through but couldn't. They did not expect, Channel 4 did not expect that the problem was so extensive and so big back then in 1992. Now, bearing in mind that since 1992, the government has done practically nothing on SRA except to try and deny that it exists. The problem has only been allowed to expand and grow like a virus to spread. You want to talk about pandemics? This is the real pandemic that we ought to really be taking seriously because SRA is not just a problem in the UK. It's a problem in other countries as well. And it's allowed to spread unchecked. And in my own research and investigations into SRA cases, which I tend to do in a very hands-on way, going to the areas where the SRA has occurred, interviewing the people, looking at the locations where it has taken place. I am astounded at just how many different counties have been affected by this. In 2001, I organized uh, a meeting at the House of Commons on SRA, and a SRA survivor who was present in the audience commented that every town, village, and city in the UK has got a problem with SRA. And I think she's absolutely right. Uh, based on my own investigations and research, based on the never-ending number of cases in the UK that are coming my way from many different parts of the country, uh, I know that this is just the tip of the iceberg because a lot of people, for their own peace of mind perhaps or because they're too afraid, do not come for forward and talk about what they've been through. 
But I think people like you through your programs are encouraging more SRA survivors to come forward, to speak out. Uh, for years, they've been suffering in silence. For years, they've just kept it to themselves because they've been, I would call it, secondarily abused by people who refuse to believe them when they try and tell their stories. It's a form of secondary abuse. They've been abused the first time, and then when they try and tell their stories, people not only don't want to believe them, people accuse them of lying, people accuse them of being deluded, uh, and that's a secondary abuse. But when we do programs like this and share it around with the public, then more and more SRA survivors feel confident to come forward and tell their stories. And you will see with the UK SRA survivors what a spread across the country their stories are. From many different parts of the UK, although traditionally there has been relatively more reports of SRA from the north, northern England and Scotland, as compared to the south, I get a long stream of SRA cases coming to me from the South. So it's expanding there as well. The problem is, you want to describe it in one word, I would say it's impunity. Impunity exists when the law enforcement authorities do not do their job. And the law enforcement authorities in the UK are not doing their job on SRA. Before we get to why that is, one of the biggest cases on this channel has been Epstein, Maxwell, Prince Andrew. And we see they were involved in all kinds of dressing up ritualistically in these, you know, costumes. And do you think that that case falls under SRA? Epstein and Maxwell, what they did? You're talking about the dressing up. Well, in, 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 I'm saying, is that a sim, uh, sign that this case was... SRA, or is that separate from this? It is a possible indicator that it's SRA because there is a lot of dressing up at Satanist rituals. Sometimes they dress up to uh, also deceive the victims. So, for example, I know of cases where um, people dressed up as animals uh, as a shark, for example. And so when the victim went to the police, the victim, who was quite young, said, uh, gave quite a, a credible account, but then referred to the shark. And then the police started to disbelieve it. It's like, that's why the person dressed up as a shark, to discredit the victim. But then an older child who was there pointed out very helpfully that the so-called shark had a zip on the costume that she saw. So sometimes the dressing up is to deceive the victims. Uh, sometimes the dressing up is part of the theme of the ritual to, uh, I mean, they're very into monsters and horror. And I have actually seen uh, uh, the aftermath of a Satanist ritual where the Satanists were leaving the location and one of them was dressed up as Dracula. And they are very into drinking blood anyway, so not surprising. Um, their standard costume would be dark robes and hood uh, at the rituals. And often they wouldn't wear anything under the dark robes and hood, which makes it 
more convenient for them to engage in sexual acts. So it is a possible indicator, but you got to take what are the other signs. You got you got to look at what are the other signs. Uh, if were they, for example, abusing children on an altar? Were they chanting? Chanting is often a common sign. Were they saying phrases like "Hail Satan," which is a common phrase they use? Were they um, drinking blood, drinking urine, eating feces, uh, that sort of thing, which are quite strong indicators? Just just the costume wearing alone is it's hard it's hard to be definitive. So the guest on it was an interview by webcam talk about adrenochrome. Yes. And he said that the victims have to be traumatized so that certain chemicals are released and then they eat the body parts that contain those chemicals. Is that what what's your interpretation of these adrenochrome ceremonies? Do you believe they exist and what happens at them? I believe they do exist. And I believe they also drink the blood of the victims who have been traumatized because the blood will have the adrenochrome after they've been traumatized and they get a, a, a kind of a high from it. And this is not unusual for Satanists because they're always chasing their own pleasures. I mean, the, the maxim we know about Satanists because people like Aleister Crowley and Anton LaVey, the, the leader of the Church of Satan in the USA, have repeated this slogan many times, do whatever you will. Um, the logical extension of that, because what they meant was do whatever you will to get your satisfaction, regardless of what it does to others. And so if they want to get high by traumatizing someone and taking their blood, then that fits right in with the do-whatever-you-will philosophy, uh, which is why I believe that you know, even those Satanists who say that Satanism is, is, is acceptable and, that they, and claim that they don't abuse people, they are promoting a message, a philosophy, that can easily be used to justify acts like traumatizing people to take their adrenochrome or abusing people to get a sexual high. They're always chasing after some kind of satisfaction and high, no matter what it does to people. So I'm not at all surprised, and I believe that these are true. So there's a theory that elite people have got so much power and money, they get bored because they can have anything they want in the world, so that then they look for thrills, and they cross the line into child abuse, paedophilia, ritualistic abuse is sra more prevalent in the elite population i would say that it is at this point of time very prevalent among a lot of the elite i wouldn't say all the elite but a lot of the elite one reason is because the attraction of satanism is that if you follow the devil and worship him and does what he wants, he will reward you with 
a lot of riches and power and luxury and this is what is very tempting to people especially those who are very materialistic uh, or those who like to control others this is uh, something that I think some of the elite you will find will credit their devil worship with the riches that they enjoy and the power that they have. The, the other thing is that uh, the power it gives them over other people's life and death, over other people's uh, way that they live their lives, it also gives them a lot of satisfaction to have this power over, over so many people. So there is a certain temptation there that is very seductive to people who, who like money, to have loads of money and loads of power. And I'm not at all surprised to find that many people uh, in Satanist covens, in the UK for example, are either in the uh, white middle class or white upper middle class. But this is not to say that ethnic minorities don't also join these covens. There are lots of people from different ethnic minorities in the covens as well. But having visited a number of these communities where I know that Satanist rituals are going on and that a lot of the community members are involved, it never fails to surprise me how prosperous some of these communities are. Very nice houses, big houses, in fact, one of the earliest stories from SRA survivors, uh, when SRA started to be exposed publicly in the 1980s in the UK, is that of being taken to big houses, mansions, to be abused. And obviously, you've got to have a lot of money to afford such things. So there is a lot of elite involvement, but not all the elite are necessarily involved. Um, I would say that the power they have, their positions, their money helps to protect them also from having the law enforced against them. Coming back to what I said earlier, that a lot of people in this country, if they have the right status and connections, they are able to get away with torturing and sexually abusing children. That is a hard, ugly reality that needs to be challenged. So, to rise to the top of politics, I believe that you have to be a psychopath. And we see people like the Bush crime family were dominating politics in America for a long period of time. Skull and Bones, we know about the association there. So, these guys get in power... And then they launch these wars, which are genocide. Hundreds of thousands of people die, bombing the poorest countries in the world, more than half, calling it collateral damage, more than half of them women or kids. Do you think that is a mass sacrifice to Satan, creating these wars and causing all this chaos and death? Do you think they thrive off that? People like the Bush family? I would say they... The, the Satanist attitude is spread death as widely as possible 
the death of others, they're not so much or so keen on the death of themselves. <laughs> Perhaps not surprisingly, they do tend to be very selfish. Um, they would promote things that lead to death. For example, they're very keen on promoting abortion and the complete decriminalization of abortion so that there are more abortions in this country. They are keen on promoting assisted suicide, euthanasia. They may even go to do their rituals at popular suicide spots and offer up the people who have committed suicide to the devil. They could well be offering up the victims of wars that they have engineered as offerings up to the devil as well. They have been known to, and it was an ex-Satanist priest who revealed this in America, to go into abortion clinics at the end of the day and offer up all the babies that were aborted during the course of that day in that clinic to the devil as a sacrifice. And they are also known, of course, to, to conduct their own abortions within their Satanist covens to abort the child and then offer up the dead unborn child to the devil as a sacrifice. Or sometimes they allow the child to be born and then they kill the child and offer it up as a sacrifice. So they are very keen on spreading death. They they believe this pleases their master. Um, the, the, the devil hates people and death is part of the agenda. And so we, we need to be very wary of certain agendas as well, other agendas that are coming up like arguments that um, people are a threat to the planet Earth. Therefore, if we want to save the planet, we need to remove a lot of human beings from this world. Of course, not, not, not the Satanists, but remove all the rest from this world to diminish the population. And uh, this argument gains more traction when people get more and more panicky about this so-called climate change crisis. And there is no unanimity by scientists that there is even a climate change crisis. But the trouble is the public platform is mainly dominated by the scientists who believe or claim they believe there is a climate change crisis. And the climate change crisis is also being used as an argument for another big piece of the Satanist agenda, one world government, as has the COVID-19 pandemic, saying with global crises like these, climate change, COVID-19, we need to have a one world government. And of course, the Satanist plan is put at the head of the one world government, their leader, their so-called satanic messiah whom christians would refer to as the antichrist and there were many rallies in different countries and across the usa in june this year by satanists calling openly for the establishment of one world government very open no secret about it this is what they want they saw their chance they took it because of all the panic over covid19 is it because Satanists in positions of power have such control over the masses that law enforcement 
is inept on SRA cases? It's it's a combination of ineptness and corruption, I would point out. In the UK, for example, it is quite common that you may have some police officers who genuinely want to investigate an SRA case as far as they can go, but are overruled by more senior officers. And quickly get sidelined from the case, and the victim is told, uh, "Sorry, no evidence. We're not going to proceed, even though there is evidence, or even though the police haven't even bothered to try and find more evidence." This happens time and time again. That the some of the more influential police officers are stopping the investigations from moving forward. Some police forces are worse than others, are more notorious in, in not investigating SRA cases than others. So it is always worth trying, if you're an SRA survivor, to get the police to investigate. Uh, but in many cases, you will hit a brick wall at one point because someone within the police, usually someone with some influence, uh, who, who's got some rank, doesn't want it going any further. There is also the angle of ineptness because of the general indifference to SRA that a lot of the police here in the UK do not receive specialized training on these cases, how to investigate them, how to identify um, the presence of Satanist involvement in a case. In the US, they are relatively better in this aspect. Of course, they have a long way to go as well, but they do provide in some police forces, and I believe San, San Francisco uh, Police is, is one of the forces that have done this, specialists on satanic crimes and provide training for such people. And they do try to empower more of their police officers to investigate satanic crimes uh, in a more professional way than they do in the UK. So, for example, there was one good police officer in the Met who uh, whose name is Peter Spindler, and he organized for his men to go for a training course on SRA. And lo and behold, all he's doing is his job, trying to get his men to do it more professionally, very rightly so, and the media come up and, and start criticizing him attacking him for simply doing his job diligently. You can see there's an agenda there, you know, uh, to try and stop him empowering his men to investigate SRA more professionally so that in their ignorance, they may just miss all the signs that are right in front of them. Um, so, so that is an area that needs to be improved, but it comes with more acknowledgement from the government, that SRA is a real problem and an extensive problem and that they need to tackle that much more seriously. And when that happens, then I believe we will see more resourcing for training on this subject for the police. 
Uh, another police force that is ahead of the UK in, in training their officers is uh, South Africa, South African police. Apparently, they even have a specialist unit on these kinds of crimes. Um, what would be a good model for the UK, I believe, is for all their child protection officers across the country to receive training on satanic crimes. And because they would usually be the ones who would be assigned to deal with these kinds of criminal activity. And also to see more senior police officers publicly speaking on these issues and acknowledging these issues and uh, welcoming or encouraging people to come forward to tell them what they know. But the police problem we have is also linked to Freemasonry, I believe. That too many police officers in the UK uh, are in Freemasonry and that Freemasonry is seen as a way to get promoted in the police. So you've got to ask those more influential police officers, how did they get to their senior positions? Did they have to be very active in the Freemasons to do that? Did they have to join the Freemasons? Uh, and how that impacts them. I believe that there should be a complete ban on all public servants in the UK, including the police, joining the Freemasons. There is no rational purpose for them to join the Freemasons if they are a public servant. I mean, we should be worried. We should be questioning why do so many public servants in the police feel the need to be part of a secret society. Because that's what the Freemasons are, a secret society. If they have nothing to hide, why are they so secretive? They do charity, but that doesn't mean anything. The Nazis did charity to try and give a good impression for themselves. The Clintons did charity. The Clintons did charity. Yeah, everyone who's got something to hide. Does charity. <laughs> I mean, there are genuine people who do charity, but we know it's an old trick. Pablo Escobar did charity. <laughs> it's an old trick to, to try and obscure your, your less um, good activities by doing charity. So for all these years that they've been allowed to just join the Freemasons in droves, the only way I think to deal with this problem is just to have a complete ban and to have strict punishment for those who do not follow that ban. It also seriously undermines public confidence in the police. And I think I'm right to say that at the present time, public confidence in the police is at an all-time low. A lot of that, I believe, is because of the war on drugs as well. It's turned the society and the police. It's put them at loggerheads. Um on this channel, we're calling for an end to the war on drugs and a beginning to the war on paedophiles because you've got all these resources going into arresting people for drug possession due to a black market that exists because of drug laws. By making drugs illegal, plants that are worthless become more valuable than gold and the cartels and criminal organizations flood the entire world with drugs. It's just That problem gets worse and worse every year. The police are saying they don't have the resources to go after the paedophiles. It's all tied up going after the drug gangs because of the war on drugs. End all that and go after the paedophiles. It's insane that you see these Catholic priests with hundreds of victims getting like two-year sentences, five-year sentences. 
And then people are serving life for drug possession. I'm not making excuses for what I did, but low-level drug users is what has absolutely filled the prison system and filled the um, the justice system. So how do you feel about pedophiles and child sex offenders getting big sentences and resources being put into that? In fact, it was an SRA survivor who pointed out to me very rightly that even when you get the Satanist abusers put away, and that's pretty hard work, but it's well worth it to put them away, even if only for a couple of years, because for a couple of years, their victims are spared being uh, abused by them. But we need to strengthen the penal system for child sex abuse and for SRA. And for that reason, I support having a law on SRA in itself, uh, which we don't have. At the moment, SRA can be prosecuted successfully uh, for the component parts of SRA, which are all crimes under existing UK law. So, for example, rape is obviously a crime under existing law. Um, Grievous bodily harm is a crime. Selling children for prostitution, that is a crime, which they often do as well, the Satanists, to their victims. So it should not be suggested in any way that we can't currently prosecute people successfully for doing SRA. But having a law on SRA where SRA is defined, as it is in certain states in the USA, such as Idaho, we can not only officially acknowledge SRA in the law, we can also justify officially why police need special training on SRA because it's in the law now as a criminal offence and we can put on much tougher penalties than under the existing law on child sex offences. We can put, for example, I would advocate whole life sentences for people who do satanic abuse because these are atrocities these are crimes against humanity they deserve no less than whole life sentences real life sentences not the kind of life sentence where they get out after a couple of years on good behavior and that will stop them coming out and abusing again because the problem with satanist abusers is that unless they decide to leave satanism which is rare but sometimes happens they will continue to abuse right until the point when they pass away. Like Jimmy Savile. Like Jimmy Savile, like many old, I know of a couple of old Satanist abusers who are still at it and will go at it until the day they die. And so you either put them behind bars to stop them victimizing children and vulnerable adults, or you have the law of the jungle. You shoot them on sight which I'm certainly not advocating, but I'm saying these are the hard options and it's a far better option to just put them behind bars for life, whole life sentences. Otherwise, what you're doing is you're putting the victims, the witnesses through all this difficult long process to get the successful conviction only to let them out again to re-offend after a relatively short period of time. 
which kind of makes a nonsense of the justice system. So if there's any crimes that deserve whole life sentences and put that in the law as mandatory, I would say it's satanic ritual abuse. If you're watching this, and put in the comments, let us know what you think about longer sentences for anyone who abuses children. Let us know what you think. It's the same for child sex abuse, so-called ordinary child sex abuse. They will come out and they will reoffend. I've seen cases, for example, where child sex abusers kept reoffending in and out of the prison system. Eventually, they killed the child. <sighs> and it's happened more than once, a couple of times at least in the UK. They just, it's like a revolving door in and out of the prison system. And they keep getting these relatively short prison sentences. They come out and eventually they murder the child. And then they go in for life. And it's still left open that their so-called life sentence may not be whole life. Do you think judges are compromised? That's why they allow these short sentences? The problem is that sometimes the law states a maximum of a certain amount of time. Guidelines. That they can be imprisoned for. So the judge is is reluctant to go either to the maximum limit or beyond the maximum limit. Um, there are compromised judges. There are judges who are Satanist abusers, I have to say. Uh, we see corruption among judges, especially in certain aspects of the judicial process. Uh, I mentioned in our first interview about corruption in the family courts that are resulting in children who have been abused by a certain parent being handed back to that parent with the blessing and command of the family court and the judge in the, in the case. Um, and to me, that is one example of judges who are not only corrupt, but in, in certain cases are part of the Satanist network. And yes, you do get that, but I think if you have laws that state very clearly, this is mandatory, whole life sentence, or giving at least, at minimum, the option to give a whole life sentence to the judge, then it's a lot harder for the judge not to give uh, such sentences of whole life imprisonment to both child sex abusers and Satanist abusers. We, we have an epidemic, I'm afraid to say, of child sex abuse and SRA in the UK. In 2018, the independent newspaper published an article stating that on average, in England and Wales alone, every eight minutes, a report of child sex abuse is made. That is a, a gross underestimate of the reality because... It did not include Scotland or Wales. Oh, sorry, Scotland or Northern Ireland. It was only England and Wales. And it did not include all those victims of child sex abuse and SRA who do not report their cases to the police. So these are only the people who, who, who took the trouble and had the courage to report it on average every eight minutes just as an illustration of what an epidemic we have. This is the real epidemic that we need to be paying attention to. Every eight minutes UK. is a case of child sex abuse. Being reported to the police. And the police are out average. shaking kids down for weed and arresting low-level drug users. 
And every eight minutes, a kid is getting abused and nobody's doing anything about it. That's to me, is just the whole world's upside down. I wouldn't say it, it's necessarily just because of drug offenses that the police time and, and resources are being taken up. Um, I would point out that a lot of police time is also being taken up to enforce political correctness. Yeah. So, for example, if someone says, I was offended by such and such, saying something about, for example, LGBT or about Islam, suddenly the police, like a shot, are there to interview the person. You do not get that speed. Mostly, you do not get that speed on SRA cases. But you will get that speed on politically correct cases, politically correct so-called offences. That if, if you offend someone who, uh, for example, maybe a homosexual or a Muslim, that the police will respond much more speedily. And you've got to ask, why do they put so much time and effort and, and resources into these um, so-called thought crimes? Well, they are basically trying to police our thoughts and our freedom of expression is being limited when they could be using it so much better to defend vulnerable children. We had the next cop on who talked about the police coming to his house and criminalizing him because he retweeted something. What a waste of police resources. Yeah, because the police are increasingly being used as thought police to enforce the new politically correct order that we're all supposed to tamely follow. And abide by. Well, every eight minutes, a kid is getting abused and they're telling us they don't have the resources to deal with it. And think about now with this whole call, um, COVID-19 uh, pandemic, or, or as some would call it, plandemic, the police have even more resources taken away to put into policing. Are you wearing your mask when you go into the shop? Are you wearing your mask when you go into public transport? Are you staying two meters apart, much more work for the police to do rather than focusing on protecting children from child sex abuse and SRA. Well, you mentioned judges earlier, and today, um, before this interview, we interviewed Darren Jeffrey, and he was abused the care homes, had clients just come in and rape these kids and pay for it. And... As an adult then, years later, he's done some crimes and he's in court and he's about to get a six-year sentence. And he looks up and the judge is one of the guys who raped him when he was a child. And instead of giving him six years, the judge gave him 31 years. It just shows how corrupt this whole system is, rotten to the core. Yes, well, the, in our first interview, I mentioned a case without naming any names, of a woman whose two boys were, thanks to the decision of the family court judge, handed back to her ex-Satanist husband mm. to abuse with the blessings of the family court. Mm. So they have been re-subjected to SRA, thanks to the family court, put, in the, put them in that position, and the judge in that court case who ordered that in the early 90s was at what 
pretty much appeared to be a Satanist orgy. Mm. And he forced a 14-year-old girl to give him oral sex mm. at that orgy. Mm. And he also has a long-standing relationship with the Satanist father of the ex-husband in that case, who is also a Satanist, which of course should have caused him to recuse himself from the case. But he obviously did not reveal that fact. It's been found out by other ways. Sometimes it's not that difficult to investigate some of these judges and find out some of their um, less savoury aspects, you could say. Mm. So it does happen, and it does explain some of the the mind-boggling decisions they make on children. Uh, family courts, unfortunately, has been inverted, turned upside down, uh, due to Satanist infiltration. We are talking now about a system that is more likely to protect abusers than to protect children from abusers. And you're calling for an independent watchdog, but how would you keep that from being corrupted? Right, there is, of course, no 100% guarantee of keeping anybody, uh, any organization from being corrupted. But I would say what would go a long way with an independent watchdog is to only appoint people to it who have a proven track record of exposing Satanist ritual abuse. Because if they have that proven track record of exposing SRA, and one good litmus test is how much have they publicly spoken about the reality of SRA. That is always a good test. Because those who are Satanist infiltrators would usually, the last, the last thing they would want normally would be to publicize the fact of SRA. Because that is shooting their own group in the foot. And so with this proven track record, uh, those people are more likely than not to be safe people to appoint to such an independent watchdog. And I think that's a very important requirement because that would exclude a lot of the establishment types who are either involved in SRA or are turning a blind eye to it and wouldn't dare to expose it because then they'd be exposing a lot of their establishment colleagues. And then you end up with uh, as the elite scratching each other's back as normally happens in these cases. Uh, so you have to have a minimum requirement of proven track record, exposing SRA, speaking out against it, doing all the hard work to fight SRA uh, as a minimum requirement to be on such a watchdog. Otherwise, I guarantee you it will just be filled with Satanists and their supporters. What can the public do then? Well, the public should be demanding an independent watchdog because no such body exists right now on SRA and on, on child sex abuse as well. In fact, that watchdog could cover both issues. Um, the, the problem is lack of accountability and the closed circle, what I call the closed circle of the elite protecting the elite from accountability. That's why we need people who are outside the elite but have a proven track record coming in to help police 
issues like child sex abuse and SRA. And they, the, the watchdog has to have teeth. It has to have the power to, for example, issue directives to the police to reinvestigate a case that they claim has no evidence, their usual excuse of not investigating an SRA case or a child sex abuse case is to say that there is not enough evidence. And this watchdog should have the power to, to examine the case itself and say there is enough evidence, send it back to the police and demand that they reinvestigate. And also the power to go to the top government ministers who cover these issues, like the Home Secretary, Minister of Justice, um, Secretary of State for Education, because Department for Education also have some child protection remit, and the Prime Minister, directly over the heads of all the civil servants and, and, and others who may try and possibly block such communications and, and, and talk to these people about these issues uh, and get their support on these issues. So it's got to have power. It's got to have the power to force the police and social services and family courts to reconsider their decisions and to take more seriously the, the concerns of the victims and the complainants. Because the current system for police complaints is quite useless in helping SRA victims. Not to say it shouldn't be tried. It's always good for an SRA victim to try the police complaints process. But in most cases, it does not give them the support they need. And so that's why I'm suggesting a new body, a new group that needs to be added to the options that victims have, that they can go to, that can get some real results, but they'll need to have some real power to do that, uh, including political power, hence the, the ability to directly go to the relevant government ministers on these issues and um, be well-resourced and have uh, very tight conditions for people joining that group and also to have a lot of publicity about its, its existence so that survivors of CSA or SRA know that it's there and that it, they can go to it and consult it. And if it has that kind of public trust, I can guarantee you it's going to have a long queue of people bringing their grievances to them, which is exactly what it's there for. Until we, we have this kind of independent watchdog, it's difficult to hold these groups like the police and the family courts and social services to account because they're all uh, what I would call closed circles who cover each other's backs, who do not let outsiders know what they're doing. And we all know about the secrecy of the family courts uh, or or question them about what they're doing. So what's the role of the media in this? Do they make things worse by sensationalizing things, which is counterproductive? And while you answer that, I'm just going to pull up on my phone your part one, because I know there's some questions came in. I'm just going to find those questions sure. while you answer that. 
yeah, the media have an important role to play. Um, unfortunately, in the UK, the media often do not do what they can to expose the cover-ups of both child sex abuse or SRA cases. And in some cases where the media has actually been infiltrated by Satanists, they go out of their way to deny the existence of SRA, despite the fact that there have been many successfully prosecuted SRA cases and the fact that the Metropolitan Police have themselves publicly admitted that satanic abuse exists. So, unfortunately, so far, the UK media, with a few good exceptions, are mostly ineffective or part of the problem of uh, exposing SRA. And this is also due to Satanist infiltration of the UK media. The, the media, well, perhaps the media also needs to have an independent watchdog watching over them and holding them to account. But they're not doing their job to safeguard our freedoms. They're not doing their job to safeguard our most vulnerable people in our society, which, which I would count as the child victims of CSA and SRA, uh, they're not really fulfilling their responsibilities there. I, I think they could go a long way in helping groups like the Independent Watchdog if, if one is set up on CSA and SRA cases. But I th part of the problem is they're often reluctant to stick their necks out. And I think they, they perhaps put as their top priority too much weight on selling papers, making money, rather than providing a public service. And and so they are, they are reluctant to stick their necks out. They are reluctant to uh, rock the boat by reporting on SRA. Uh, you have a few exceptions like the Sunday Express, a great newspaper, very bold on SRA. They are the ones who exposed Jimmy Savile's SRA, whereas all the other papers were going on and on about Jimmy Savile but not mentioning the Satanism in SRA. And you've got to ask why. So there's a long way to go to get the media much more reliable on these issues, much more responsible on these issues. Uh but they can do a lot of good if they choose to. They can do a lot to help protect children if they choose to. First question then ties right into this. It's from Old Bat. Does Wilfred believe that the media doesn't talk about SRA because the top people who own the media are involved in it themselves? I think that would apply probably to some of the top people. But I wouldn't generalize it to all of the top people who own the media. But I think that's very possible for some of them. 
Next question then, is the stigma of talking about unpleasant topics and disturbing problems, does that allow this to flourish? Well, you could say that that is a part of the problem. Um, I think you could say that part of the issue is also talking about something that is very dark and in in this society, in the UK, there is a tendency to try and avoid discussion of such dark issues and to rather unrealistically think that by sweeping them under the carpet, they will just go away of their own accord. Well, they don't. They just grow bigger and worse. And so there is this element in UK culture where ugly things, dark things get swept under the carpet, which is, I found or I noticed is less prevalent in US culture, which is more open about talking about such things, which helps to publicize these issues, which they should be. Because every time you publicize SRA and the reality of SRA, you're helping to protect children from these unimaginable unimaginable horrors. So publicity about the reality of SRA is, is crucial and we've got to get over this um, reluctance to talk about it. But when you talk about just general unpleasant topics, well, we've all seen the media go to town for the last couple of months on COVID-19. In fact, there's hardly been a day going by when the media hasn't reported on COVID-19. And that's not a pleasant topic, is it? But when they choose to go to town on a subject, they will just go all out, even if it is unpleasant, even though I suspect most of the population have had more than their fill of reading reports from the media on COVID-19. And yet further restrictions placed on them regarding COVID-19. Next question from Vicky. If Savile was connected to SRA, are his close friends in the royal family also connected? I would say you have to approach it in an in, in an investigative way that you cannot simply assume by association that they are they are necessarily involved it is an interesting question who else was in Savile's Satanist group or coven and that is something that needs to be investigated but like any investigation you can't simply prejudge without seeing the evidence so you have to look at the evidence of for example a certain person celebrity that he knows what are the connections, how close was the connection between him and that person, uh, what might possibly give you cause for suspicion that that person he knew might also be involved in SRA. Uh, Have there been any allegations of SRA against that person? For example, is that person's name on the reigns list? Just one example. Um, Because celebrities like Savile would have met a whole range of people, a very wide group of people. 
And that's what celebrities are often exposed to. Massive public contact. So it would be risky to to just assume by by mere association that they are necess necessarily also involved in SRA. So this question ties into something that I had on my list to ask you any about the global Satanist agenda. And the question is, Epstein's friend, Bill Gates, is trying to change the world so much right now. Is this part of the Satanic global agenda? The Satanic global agenda is to radically transform the world. Uh, one thing that has stopped people understanding this has been the fact that people use different terms for what is basically the satanic radical agenda to transform the world. For example, they use the word New World Order. Well, I would point out that the core of the New World Order is Satanism. We're talking about a satanic New World Order when we talk about Deep state, for example, we're talking about a satanic deep state, a deep state that is dominated by Satanism. When we talk about globalism, or sometimes people call them globalists or cultural Marxists, their ideology, their core ideology is not globalism or cultural Marxism. These are just means to an end. The core ideology of the globalists and the cultural Marxists, at least most of them, is Satanism. Because globalism will lead to the eventual setting up of a one-world government, and at the top of that one-world government will be the, what, the Satanist messiah, so to speak, who will be the top leader of Satanism throughout the world, who Christians would refer to as the Antichrist. And the Bible, the book of Revelation, talks openly about this one world government that will be set up. The Satanists know that they can't take the world under their control by the old-fashioned method of invasion because it doesn't work very well and it's extremely messy. And it just unites people against them. Hitler tried that, didn't work. Lots of people have tried it in the past and never absolutely worked in terms of 100% control of the world. And after they die, the, the system falls apart because it's just too large for them to manage. So what is the key way to manage world conquest that is more sophisticated and has less resistance is one world government. Convince the world that they need a one world government. One way to do it is to create global crises. One global crisis that comes to mind, of course, is COVID-19 pandemic. I'm not saying COVID-19 doesn't exist, but I am saying that there has been a huge amount of exaggeration on its level of threat to the world. It does exist, but it, it is being amplified thousands of times to make people scared, even hysterical about COVID-19, such that they will be much more open to accepting restrictions on their lives, 
accepting the idea of a one-world government, accepting that this would take away a lot of the sovereignty of their nation. Because people are willing to give up so much if they think that their lives and the lives of their loved ones are under threat. The other global crisis that has to be put into people's minds so that they accept the idea of one world government, another topical example is the so-called climate change crisis. I'm all for protecting the environment. I support that. But to the extent that you think that the world is, is in imminent danger because of climate change, I think that's going too far because there is not a unified view of this by specialists in the scientific community. But there is a political agenda to say, well, we need a one-world government to manage such global crises. So let's all get together and have to set up this government and the Satanists were openly campaigning for this and having rallies on this in the around the summer solstice this year. And um, eventually, of course, inevitably, the top leader of this one world government, who will in effect control the world through that position, will be the Antichrist, or as the Satanists see it, the Satanist saviour. And everybody has been duped into buying into this because they thought their lives were so much under threat, their world was so much under threat. And by the way, to save us from climate change, we have to depopulate, we have to kill so many people, we can let all these deaths occur for the sake of saving the world. And put Bill Gates in charge. Uh, he might be in charge of that as well. He, uh, he, he may be a key person supporting this agenda. Uh, we know that there are key people supporting the satanic New World Order. And those people would include George Soros, the Clintons, the Bush, Bush, Barack Obama. These are what I call the usual suspects. <laughs> Interesting thing to note, all these usual suspects, what unites them? One enemy that they love to attack, who is very anti-globalist, Donald Trump. So people's knee-jerk reaction, even people who are genuinely concerned about SRA, is Donald Trump? Isn't he this really terrible person who we need to get rid of? I say no. I say look at who are the people who are desperate to get rid of him. These are all the New World Order activists. That says a lot about Donald Trump. That says a lot about where Donald Trump is coming from and how he helps us stop the New World Order. He is publicly, and this is no secret, extremely anti-globalist, very nationalistic, and there's no room between nationalism and globalism. And he has, according to the, one of the leading American activists on child sex trafficking, Jacob, Jacob Buyens, and you can look him up on the internet, it's spelled J-A-C-O, and Buyens, B-O-O-Y-E-N-S. He has publicly written and said in various YouTube films that Donald Trump has done more than any other previous US president or any existing world leader to fight child trafficking. Now, this really puts a dent in the work of the Satanists because the Satanists depend a lot on child trafficking to access their victims. And often, 
themselves get involved in child trafficking. Look, for example, at the Hampstead SRA case. The sheer number of babies and toddlers said to be sacrificed by that coven could only have been possible by them having access to trafficked children. So he is effectively fighting child trafficking. He is anti-globalist. He's being attacked by all the usual suspects who are promoting the New World Order. We need to recognize that he is actually, at least on SRA, and fighting the Satanist agenda on our side and not shoot ourselves in the foot and simply follow the rest of the sheep who believe the mainstream media attacks on him. Uh, he might not satisfy us on, on some of his other policies, but that's politics. I mean, no politician satisfies us on all their policies. That's just a fantasy. But we need to be realistic, and I think we need to be streetwise and realize this is a guy who we need to stay in where he is and get his second term as president unless we want to see more radical changes in our society that go against us, that take away our freedoms, that make it harder to get justice in child abuse and SRA cases, unless we want to see those negative changes speeding up, we need to recognize our allies and support them. It'll be interesting to see how far the Maxwell case goes then with um, Trump at the head of the Fed. So, anyway, the next question ties into the political side. There were reports after Anthony Weiner's computer was confiscated that there were emails found of Clinton's and Hillary's campaign manager being involved in SRA. Have you heard anything about that? I personally have no doubt that the Clintons are involved in SRA. On top of that, I would add that a lot of the publicity about Prince Andrew and Epstein has tended to overshadow the very much needed publicity about the Clintons' close association with Epstein. I think the Clintons are very big players in the whole New World Order agenda and big players in Satanism and SRA and the whole satanic agenda, especially Hillary Clinton. And of course, that comes back to what I said earlier about Donald Trump. Donald Trump prevented Hillary Clinton from being the current president of the United States. And that was a big obstruction to the satanist agenda. Hillary Clinton is the one to watch. I'd rather focus more on what she's up to than what Prince Andrew is up to regarding the New World Order agenda. If, if and it's a big if to me anyway, Prince Andrew is involved in all this. He's not as big a player as somebody like Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama would be. Um, and we've got to watch these people carefully. And I believe that the COVID-19 pandemic, its, it's exaggerated um, effect, and also it's probable engineering, that it was not a natural occurrence, uh, was to achieve multiple purposes, one of which is to ensure that Donald Trump loses the November election this year because one of Trump's big attractive points to the electorate was his improvement of the U.S. economy, which of course now is, is in a pretty poor state due to the COVID-19 lockdown. 
but also to stop the UK flourishing economically, having just left the European Union. Because if the UK flourishes economically outside the EU, other EU member states will be tempted to also go and leave the EU. And the EU is dominated by Satanists. The EU is a key tool of the Satanists for global control because the EU is also a model for global control. Regional, supposedly united groupings in different parts of the world and the key grouping would be the EU ruled over by the Satanist top leader who Christians call the Antichrist. This was first revealed to me by a, a former Satanist leader. She had been quite a, a senior Satanist leader until she converted to Christianity and left Satanism. But before that, she had worked with top Satanist leaders and she had seen VIPs at Satanist rituals such as Edward Heath, Leon Britton, Cyril Smith, and also a, a person who has been three times European Union Commissioner. And she said to me, EU is controlled by Satanists. And I asked her, was that control a hijacking of the EU that started off um, without such Satanist domination? And she said, no, it was dominated from, by Satanists right from the beginning. And exactly one year later, after she revealed this to me, I came across a report of an, a mayor in Belgium who wanted to expose uh, child abuse in the EU and who said, and I'm quoting a friend of this mayor's whom he confided in, the mayor confided to him that he had proof the European Union was being run by Satanists with an advanced agenda of death and destruction. We've been talking about death and destruction and an appetite for the darkest crimes. He said Brussels was a wolf in sheep's clothing, preaching love and openness, but actually a den of depravity. And his friend, who reported that he confided in him, said he was reportedly working on an enormous expose that he said would shake Europe to its very core. Unfortunately, this Belgian mayor, Alfred Gaden, was found dead in mysterious circumstances. He had been murdered. And his killer has not been caught to this day. And this was reported in 2017. Almost a year to the day that this former senior Satanist leader told me EU is dominated by Satanists. So, we, we need to pay attention to the significance of the EU in the Satanist agenda. Thank God we are out of the EU, but take note that it was a hard fight to get out. And take note that there are a lot of people, especially Satanists, who want the UK to fail badly outside the EU and have a rubbish economy. And COVID-19 helps 
to push us in that direction. So that's another objective, I believe, of the COVID-19 pandemic, which, which I strongly suspect was probably engineered by Satanists. Also because I interviewed an SRA survivor who was medically experimented on uh, when he was a boy. He was subjected to SRA but also sent to be experimented on by scientists regarding infectious diseases. And he was taken to certain medical research labs which still exist in England. He brought me there and he showed me these labs. And... I asked him, were they looking for a vaccine which they could use as leverage over those who are afraid of being infected? Or were they looking to manufacture a very infectious disease? Or were they looking to see whether certain genetic bloodlines were immune to, to particular infectious diseases? And he said, all of the above, all of these reasons were why the Satanists were experimenting on him as a boy. And this was about one year before the COVID-19 pandemic reached the UK. So why this particular interest in infectious diseases by the Satanists, we need to ask. Why are they looking for a vaccine and a way to manufacture these diseases? Well, we understand a lot more because of the COVID-19 experience now. So this is actually very unique because it's rare for SRA survivors to, to reveal that they have been medically experimented on. It's the only one I've come across who has revealed medical experiments regarding infectious diseases. Next question. I see on Wilfred's website that there are only a few prosecuted SRA cases and they only happened in the 80s and 90s with one conviction in 2012. It's years later, and none of these people are being arrested. Why? Well, I would suggest to that person to watch that interview that we did and this interview to see why. We have talked a lot about police lack of enforcement, impunity, corruption, um, and all these themes keep resurfacing when it comes to getting SRA cases prosecuted. Uh, the list on my website actually has two more recent cases, not just one, uh, which happened in the 2000s. One was the Kid Welly case, and the other one was uh, SRA case in Cornwall. And although when you consider the fact that for every one successfully prosecuted SRA case in the UK, there are very likely hundreds, if not thousands more, that have never gone to prosecution or to be successfully prosecuted. It's important to remember that these cases demonstrate the reality of SRA and these cases demonstrate the fact that when they have the will to investigate and prosecute, and this is where it's often lacking, the will, the police and the prosecuting authorities can get the job done. We are not asking the police and the prosecuting authorities to go an extra 100 miles 
to get the job done. We're asking, asking them to do what is their job, what is part of their job description, which is to investigate and prosecute these cases. This is, this is what we've been saying all along. They can do it if they want to. The problem is there's often the lack of the will, sometimes due to corruption, sometimes due to uh, prejudice. The police officer may simply be prejudiced about the existence of SRA, has bought into the mainstream media mantra that SRA doesn't exist, and assumes that because it's SRA, can't possibly exist. Uh, there's a certain prejudice, but I always urge SRA survivors, do be open about the SRA in your cases with the police, because the police are never going to learn or understand that SRA exists until you are open about the SRA. It's an educational process. I believe that the Metropolitan Police were forced to acknowledge on their website the existence of satanic abuse because a lot of SRA survivors have been going to them for years with their cases, telling them about SRA, and they knew that they just couldn't keep pretending it doesn't exist and had to acknowledge it in some way. But there's still a long way to go for them to effectively investigate such cases. Next question. Was Kubrick warning us about SRA in the movie Eyes Wide Shut? I know it's believed that he was, and some people credit his death not long after that to his blowing the whistle on this subject. Um, I don't think he died because of that, but I think he, he could well have been trying to tell us about SRA. I have actually visited one of his filming locations that he used for the satanic ritual depicted in that film. Uh, and had a look around. Um, I, I I believe he was trying to give us, in an indirect way, knowledge of this subject. Uh, his is not the only film, I think, which has done this. Uh, there are certain films where if you watch closely, you can see a certain hinting at SRA. But my response would be also to say, what are we going to do about it? You know, I mean, I think there's more openness, more willingness on the part of, of people, not just Kubrick, to, to talk about SRA now than in the past, to uh, expose SRA to the public, and I think the public are more ready now than ever before to watch the expose of SRA. And I think that although it wasn't intended to have this effect, the COVID-19 lockdown has encouraged people to be more open-minded on the subject of Satanist agenda and SRA because their safe little world where certain freedoms are always assumed to be there has been so quickly removed. And they're suddenly full of questions. How can this have happened? How did this happen? How much of this is real? How have the government been able to put me under virtual house arrest for months just like that? Nobody stopped them. Nobody objected. Nobody questioned it. 
in any significant way. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But are we actually willing to learn from this experience and question the government more and analyze what the government is saying more carefully and challenge them on issues like Satanism and SRA? Because if we want to obstruct the satan satanic agenda, one very effective way to do this is expose SRA because SRA will help to expose the people involved in the Satanist agenda, including the, the high-up elite, and expose the horrors involved in the Satanic agenda. So we got to start somewhere, and a very good effective start is to expose publicly SRA and start from there and unravel the rest from there of what they want to do to take away our freedoms. And as I said in our first interview, what they want to do to enslave us, because it's about enslavement. You either, by your indifference, cooperate with the enslavement, or you do something about it to stop the enslavement, or at least obstruct it from happening. Or you go like an obedient little sheep to become a slave. And of course, the Satanists love it when you're an obedient little victim. Uh, and they even brand some of their victims, you know? they burn their marks onto some of the victims, their victim's skin. That's how they see people. Uh, that's, how, that's what they want to do to all of us. They want to micromanage our lives. And let's face it, the pandemic has given uh, a very good excuse to people to micromanage our lives. Next question. Does researching this for over 20 years turn Wilfred's mind and send him insane, especially watching videos of child abuse, photographs, etc. How do you deal with it psychologically? Well, I don't think I'm insane because if I was, I wouldn't be on this program <laughs> twice, unless that is a qualification to be on this program. <laughs> um, None of us are insane in here. We're all normal. You know that that <laughs> sign that they used to sell. It does, you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, the the effect that this will have is is different for different people. And my calling and my gifting has been on child protection issues not just SRA, but other child protection issues as well. And so I've been suited for this issue. Um, as a Christian, I would say God gave me this job to work on child protection, and he gave me the anointing and the uh, suitability mentally and physically to cope with the issue. Because when God calls someone to do an issue, he also equips that person to do the job. Uh, I would also suggest for anyone working on these issues to, to ask themselves, as I have mentioned in various interviews, that if you think it's traumatic to look at videos or to read reports of abused children, can you imagine what it's like for the child himself or herself? 
Start with that. Don't start with your reaction. Start with the child's reaction to the abuse and the torture. Because you are just seeing it secondhand. What is it like for the victim firsthand? And dwell on that. And that would be a great motivation to fight SRA. That would be a great motivation to share the message about SRA's reality with all your friends and contacts. Because we always got to come back to that. We always got to come back to the child. Because you can look at SRA survivors now, and yes, what they went through was horrific, but let's remember there are a lot of children now going through all that across the country, in our own backyard. I remember once going to an SRA location where a 14-year-old girl had been sacrificed. Mm. It was only about 20 minutes walk from where I lived. <sighs> so I'm not kidding when I say it can be in your own backyard. And the other awful thing was that there was a police station only about 50 yards from there. It is a lot closer than you realize. And we need to start with the child suffering and look at what we can do. We all can do something to help stop that suffering. We all, when we expose SRA, when we tell people about the reality, when we raise awareness, when we write letters, when we campaign, when we, when we talk to our MPs about it, we are doing something to protect children from these unimaginable horrors. That case you mentioned, did they catch the people? 14 who murdered the 14 year old girl did they catch the people unfortunately no mm. and it shows the boldness of this coven and possible police shielding of them that they were willing to do it in the basement of a building that was just 50 yards from a police station grief in fact, sometimes the police park their vehicles in front of that building. But I haven't given up on monitoring that place and will continue to do so. But it is a lot more prevalent than we think. It's not somewhere far away out in the countryside or woods. It can be in a house in your neighborhood. It can be in a house within walking distance from where you are. Uh, it can be in a, in a park. I've come across parks that are used for SRA. Um, it can be a wood that you like to walk your dog in. They, they are very skillful at using everyday places for the most horrific things in the middle of the night. Mm. And these places, uh, which may look very innocent in the daytime, can look quite different at night. Because I've on many occasions gone out at night to several of these places. As I said, when I do investigations, I like to do them with a very hands-on approach and not just speak as someone from a distance, but get close to the subject and see the actual places they use for these abusers. And uh, that gives me also an understanding of how they think and how they try to conceal their actions But we all can do something and we all should do something to expose this evil 
and start with our own circle of contacts and friends, exposing it to them, sharing interviews like this far and wide with our contacts and friends, uh, engaging in debate with them if, if they don't want to believe the reality of this, um, writing to our MPs, writing to the media to complain if the media are giving, as they often do, some false information about SRA not existing. Um, write to them, complain, hold the media to account. The trouble with the media is sometimes they think that they're not accountable to anybody at all and they have to be questioned and challenged on this. Does Wilfred worry about the risks of exposing such extremely dangerous and powerful people? No. I think because they are dangerous and powerful, they all the more reason why they need to be exposed. Because dangerous, powerful people can do much more damage to vulnerable people than those who are less powerful. They can do a lot more damage, a lot more harm. I've spent years seeing the damage that is done to people by this. And that also acts as a motivation that you want to stop these people. It's like having a very savage beast roaming the streets. You've got to put that beast in a cage or that beast is going to harm a lot of people, especially those who are vulnerable. So God gave me this job. God will take care of me, and he does. And um, I'm also knowledgeable of various ways to take care of myself. So if a Satanist wants to have a go at me, I have the legal right to have a go at him and he cannot assume that he's going to come away in one piece. <laughs> Some people have asked whether they can donate to your mission. Do you have anything set up online so people can donate to you? Uh, not online. Uh, what they could do is email me. My email address is... In the description box. In Everything's in the description box. Yes. So they should contact me and indicate that they're wanting to give a donation and I'll give them some details on how they can do so. Uh, it's not difficult to do so. It's just not online at present. Have you connected SRA and the intelligence community? Yes. Uh, in fact, for example, just one example, um, the case I mentioned earlier of the boy who was experimented on uh, who is now an adult SRA survivor, we were discussing where the documents of his experimentation and the results of the experiments would currently be held. And he is convinced, I, I think with good cause, that we we cannot get those documents on his experiments from the medical research labs because they would probably be with the intelligence services. Because the intelligence services had uh, some vested interest in the results of these experiments about use of infectious diseases, all, all in relation to biological warfare. And so basically, he's going to have an impossible job trying to get those documents. I'm also aware of uh, at least one Satanist in one of the UK intelligence services. Uh, 
having a go at me for my part in the campaign on the Holly Gregg case. And I know she works for GCHQ. So that was also a pretty clear example of uh, intelligence service involvement. But as with the police, there are, there are bad, bad people and good people in the organization. And so I'm not saying all of them are against us, but I'm saying some of them are. And I'm saying that uh, some of these people in intelligence services are more concerned about protecting the status quo and protecting certain VIPs than protecting children. Right. So um, we, we, we bear that in mind, but we also bear in mind that there are also, I'm sure, some good people in these groups that uh, if they were well aware on these subjects would would want to, in, in their own very limited way perhaps, uh, help and support the exposure of SRA. And I would say that it's not just the UK intelligence services. It probably also extends to other intelligence services. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming back, Wilfred. We've run out of time. Loads of questions. If you've got any more questions for Wilfred, please put them in the comments below this video. Also, will be all the other links down there to Wilfred's stuff. If you want to click over and support what he's doing, if you want to get in touch with him, that will be down in the in there as well. Um, huge thank you to people who subscribe. Subscription logos in the bottom right hand corner, and huge thank you to people who've donated so we can do these recordings in studios. Also, in the description box are links to our socials and playlists of other videos related to this. So, thank you very much, Wilfred. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you.